Hey guys, what's going on? Today we'll be reviewing Untitled Unmastered by Kendrick Lamar, and we are joined with Owen Flanagan. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Zach. How you doing? Pretty good. So, let's start off with the album as a whole. What do you think? Well, I thought, like, if there was going to be one overarching, like... If there was one overarching theme to the album that stuck out to me as a whole, it was definitely between, like, obviously, like, the lyrics and the vocals. So, like, the two things that I noted about the lyrics as a whole and the vocals as a whole... I mean, the lyrics as a whole and the music as a whole is that the music... The music very much kind of consisted of either some sort of driving groove, like, that was on stuff like tracks three, um... Tracks three, tracks five, track six, seven, things like that. They ha- all those kind of had some sort of consistent heavy groove inspired in the music, but a lot of the other ones sort of consisted of um. There was a lot of free jazz implemented into this, and mm. I thought that was a very one of my big the big things that I noticed about this was that I kind of thought of the free jazz as a metaphor for what Kendrick was talking about. Yeah, definitely. Because this is, again, these are like the leftover tracks from To Pimp a Butterfly, and that is an album very heavily inspired by like these civil rights sort of demonstrations going on, you know, in the world today with all these social issues like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, ideas of like white privilege, things like that. And I think the free jet, and, and even in like the 60s when these kind of things are going on, anytime any sort of civil rights demonstration or civil rights activism is going on, the art that comes out of that is insane. Yeah. It always comes out with like this beautiful, intense sort of art, but it's not like, again, I said this before, but like, it's not like this sort of, you know, it's not like passing art. It's not like a painting in a museum and you sort of glance at it and you're like, Oh, it's like a Van Gogh. or That's like a Monet or whatever. That's, that's nice. It's the kind of art that'll come out and punch you in the face, but it's also very delicate in nature. And I thought the free, the element of using free jazz in association with the lyrics that he used, like the right, civil rights charge lyrics that he used in this album, complemented with the free jazz, sort of gave it this idea of like this sort of chaotic, passionate, powerful aesthetic. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. I thought that overall, similar to Tim- to Pimp a Butterfly, it was a really cool mix of both grooving. Um, really just having fun with the music mm-hmm. and really putting in this um, artistic sense to it so it's like really listen interesting to listen to but also something you can totally jam out to mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in every single track there was a lot of yeah. um a lot of tracks kind of featured like that sort of sex I think of it as like a flutter almost like there was a, there was a very there's a lot of like sort of dissonant saxophone piano keyboard flute yeah. kind of fluttering going on in the background. Yeah. And I thought overall that sort of that sort of gives this idea of like some sort of like underlying tension and coupled with mm. the even the way Kendrick would say some of the lyrics in these songs, like he could either like sort of let them flow out easy or he would just spit them out at you. Yeah. Depending on how he even just said the words, you yeah. could get the kind of clashing vibe between, you know, that tense sort of musicality and the saxophones mm-hmm. and then you know, it's sort of building up inside of him and he spits it out, you know what I mean? Yeah, his performance on this really had a huge part in what he had to say. You know, the lyrics obviously stood out for themselves, they stand for this themselves, but his performance adds a whole new dimension to it and 
just adds a whole layer of meaning to it. So, yeah, do you want to go in with the first track? Yeah, let's go in with the, what was it? <laughs> I was going to I was going to ask what what the name of the track was but they're all untitled aren't they yeah Yeah that's um that's actually one last point I wanted to bring up about the album as a whole is that it's just the fact that everything is untitled you know I found myself really having kind of a tough time associating each song um with a name in my mind because there was no name you know there's nothing I could associate it with which I found really interesting and I feel like that was part of the reason Kendrick made everything untitled wasn't just oh these are some demos I just want to throw them out there not even gonna bother putting names on but there's really that um level of meaning behind it to Mm -hmm. keep it as an album as a whole as even though there's individual tracks individual demos yeah, it gets you thinking because it's like, I mean, if you look at the album, like if this if this really was just like the scraps and the scraps of Tepimpa Butterfly, just like the leftovers, and he was just gonna throw them in an album, just release them for some extra cash or whatever. Yeah. Then like you would think like he would try to put them in order chronologically. Yeah. But if you look at the tracks, they're not in chronological order. I don't know what order they're in exactly, but yeah. that gives you the sense and idea that he put them in some order with some sort of meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. And again, the tracks don't have any names, so the tracks yeah. have to stand for themselves. You know yeah. I mean? And even, um, I think it was the seventh track, but I'm not sure there's one of them um, is recorded from 2014 to 2016, and that's the only one like that on the track. So it really shows that. He, he really it, yeah. put the passion into it. You know, he put the work into it. It's mm-hmm. not just trying to make some extra money, which I don't think Kendrick would do either. No, He's a really artistic like mastermind. So, yeah, first track. So, um, I really liked the the whole groove behind it. You know, it's very Funkadelic-like opening. Um, this wasn't one of my favorite tracks on the album just because there wasn't a whole lot to stood that stood out to me but nonetheless i thought it was a great check what do yeah. you think well the first thing i noticed was the first thing that came on and it was that um i kind of imagine like this big hulking dude just kind of like and he's like it's almost he's like talking to a girl and he's getting like really like sexual and stuff with her he's like oh yeah come on come lay on daddy's back you know yeah. let me play with your head like all that <laughs> all that <laughs> all that stuff and i kind of thought of that as like it's a, it's like an assertion of dominance, and I kind of thought to myself, like, who is asserting dominance here, and what are they asserting dominance over? Because you don't hear the other side. You just hear the guy going, yeah, come here, play with daddy. Wait, 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 wait. You just hear that. And so immediately the first thing that popped into my mind was, like, this was supposed to be, like, a showing of, you know, like, society's dominance over black culture or, or the society's assertion of dominance over black culture or things like that. And... It moves on like that for a little bit. It kind of moves on with, like, you know, he's just sort of mumbling and talking like, yeah, come to daddy. And then Kendrick kind of busts in at some point, and he just starts... And the lyrics that he kind of says sound like he's just calling for a change. He's calling for, like... There was one lyric It was um, running in place, trying to get to church, and one of the things he said is, like, it's like a no more bad bitches or something, striving for green and gold, and... It's like he's almost trying to say, like, we're not a stereotype. Like, we are not, like, don't, like, this isn't a box. Yeah. We don't belong in a box. And um, there was a lot of, um, 
there was a lot of uh like the how the track ended it ended with him saying stuff like young nigga go young nigga go and that kind of made me think um like almost like that's the strive for people to get out of where they are and sort of transcend and become successful of their own accord you know what i mean like make something of themselves make art do good work and grow for yourself yeah that's what i got out of that yeah very interesting um you just brought up a point that i want to say in the beginning that i totally forgot is that i'm also a drummer so i am not going to talk a whole lot about the lyrics i have this really bad poor habit of when i listen to music always no matter how hard i try i just end up getting caught up listening to the music and i don't really worry about or focus on the lyrics mm-hmm. and um I, I feel like i should hold true to that as a listener so i'm really uh gonna stay away from the vocal parts unless i do find i have something to say mm-hmm. so what did but what did you think about like what do you think about the instrumentation because i know when we were given this a listen through you made a comment about the um what was it on the second track but you made a comment about the piano yeah the keyboard part um this is one of my few real uh, critiques on the whole album that kind of stood out. It was kind of like it was poking me, annoying me, but yeah. <laughs> the um the keyboard part would repeat single notes over and over again, which I kind of found a little bit annoying, a little bit too repetitive and um although that's normal for the bassline part, the bass synth they also went and did it again with the um, higher pitch synths, not exactly a melody line, just um, higher register harmony. Yeah, like a really and that, um, thing. Yeah, and that just kind of felt like it was poking me the whole time, a little bit annoying me, mm-hmm. which um, wasn't a hugely bad thing. It just kind of stood out to me. And it's really one of my only uh, critiques on the whole album i thought the rest of it was really yeah well done. i think that's something that just sort of adds into the i think that's something that just sort of adds into the whole you know idea of like free jazz as like you know the driving metaphor for this album like free jazz the sound as a metaphor for like that chaos and like that sort of sense of like that powerful in your face but also delicate free and open and express expressive you know what i mean yeah that's what i kind of yeah took that as Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it was definitely cool though that they um took that sound a very hip-hop rap sound and um incorporated with the free jazz definitely um unique sounds mm -hmm. come uh combining the two so um track two yeah actually one last thing i wanted to say was just that i really loved the way kendrick mixed um the female vocals with the really deep male vocals i'm not sure if the male vocals had an effect on them to make them even deeper it totally sounds like it does but yeah for all i know it could be just a guy with a really deep voice i just love the <laughs> mix of the two yeah felt that it was really rich sounding mm-hmm. cool yeah so uh track two this was definitely my um by far my favorite track on the whole album yeah yeah. yeah, this was um this is the one that I had heard most of before I actually like listened to the whole album through, but um I really enjoyed like the instrumentation in the back because he starts out with that pimp pimp hooray, but then once he starts getting into like you know, he starts rapping. I really enjoyed the back the back like the, the sax flute and the sort of just the instrumentation in the back, I loved it. I loved the fa- his foundation, and it kind of, it was very reminiscent to me, almost of like 
kind of like dark clouds, dark mm-hmm. clouds in the background. Like that's what it kind of made me think of. Like he, and when he rapped, he sounds kind of like, you know, I'm sick and tired of being tired. He sounds kind of mournful, resigned. Like he's very sort of, he's just sort of resigned. That's what it sounds like to me at least. And yeah. You know, the whole, like, the track sort of, it looks to me like he's sort of, you know, he's like, get got on the phone, I'm sick and tired of being tired, and he's sort of mournful and resigned, and he sort of goes along that sort of sad, dejected path, yeah. and then he sort of bursts in at a point and gets conviction mm-hmm. at a point in the song, and then he starts talking about his dark past, like, well, not a dark, but he doesn't have a dark past, but, like, he starts talking about, like, the more, like, the the things that drag him down and the attitude of conviction that he brings to that makes me think more or less that he's using it as a push forward rather than something to drag him back. Yeah. You know? He's using it as a reason to move forward with his life. Yeah. I just got that, um, you know, he's, what did I write? He said, uh, yeah, it's like he, he pulled through that darkness to get to where he is today. Mm-hmm. And I just like that because I like the whole... You know, it, it sort of builds up to a point with these sort of dark cloud kind of melodies and the dark yeah. cloud kind of instrumentation and lyrics that he's saying. And then at a point he just breaks through and he goes, no. And a beat comes in and he starts to rap. And that's co- sort of like he's cutting through the clouds and he's like, no, I cut through that to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think about it? Um, I just love this track. It was really felt like a perfect track to me mainly because it was a real perfect mix of both artistic creativity um kind of they definitely put themselves out there on this track but on the same time as a real groove to it you can really listen to it um Mm -hmm. find it really interesting see all the metaphors and whatnot and at the same time you can really just get down to it you know yeah yeah i love that um but my favorite part about it by far was Terrence Martin and Kendrick's yeah. performances. Their, both of their performances on this track are incredible. Um, the way Kendrick sings and raps, the way Terrence goes about the sax just works really beautifully together. You can definitely tell that they've been playing together for a long time, that they have the same ideas, the same um, voice almost. But at the same time, they totally have their unique sounds, not just because one's vocal, not just because one's playing a saxophone, just the way that it comes out of them, the way the emotion comes out of them is very unique, but worked together. It can just totally feel their relationship through the song. You can feel their call and response back and forth, even if one of them doesn't even have lyrics to work with. Yeah, I loved them. They're both almost like melody lines, but I'm going to refer to the sax as a harmony line. I just loved the way that it fit around Kendrick's vocals, the way it came in, Mm -hmm. came out very eerie. um, And at the same time for Kendrick's melody, I loved the mix of his higher and lower register of his voice um the singing and the rapping i thought that his performance just the way he went about saying each line just put so much energy into it really complimented the saxophone just their important both of their performances were absolutely incredible Mm -hmm. cool so yeah do you want to go on to track three now um yeah 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 um 
This one was like the first one that I noticed had like a really solid groove to it. Like, not yeah, that the others didn't, but this definitely. one felt like it was really a groove-driven song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think part of that, Kendrick definitely knew that because in the last song, he's like, yo, where are the drums at? Right at the ends, and you can tell that he was just going to drop this really sick groove. Yeah, no, he was looking for it. He was growing into it, yeah. Um, what did you think about, like... um? Like I know this is probably this is probably like one of the shortest tracks on the album. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one I like wrote the least on. But like, yeah. what did you have for like? What did you think about like just the whole instrumentation as a whole in this one? Well, instrumentally, obviously, we talked about the groove, and I think the whole thing is really focused around this groove. There's not instrumentally, there's not a whole lot happening besides this groove. There's no hidden parts coming in and out mm-hmm. there is um it's just meant as something to jam out to um who's obviously this? this isn't true to uh the lyrics what'd you just say no this was bilal i think doing vocals on this one mm-hmm. she um is it a here i i think it's a she i don't know but um i've never heard bilal before but um I know lyrically he I I'm I, I again I probably have to reread the lyrics to this to get a better idea of this but I he know I there was a lot of like you know he talked about it was like where the Asian man at like the the background vocalist would go like where the Asian at or where the Indian at where the black at where the white at and then after each one of those Kendrick would do like almost like a response to that mm-hmm. and in each one he sort of talked about like again I didn't hear really the ones on asian indian or black but i really noticed when he said the white because he sort of that was the one i feel like he dug the most meaning out of because he talked about a lot of it was like you know the white when he talked about the white he talked a lot about um like the whole idea of like success getting money and things like that like he said like i can't remember the exact lyric but it was something like i don't care if i like you know you're gonna lose your core following something like that and you can almost see the image that he's trying to paint of like almost like you know that typical that typical like CEO record producer guy who's like you got to produce the stuff that the people want you can't just write the stuff that you want to make as an artist yeah. you got to keep you got to keep you know your pop tracks out and keep your audience engaged so we keep making more money mm-hmm. so that's kind of what i felt like he was pushing towards with the white connotate with the white man who's that like you know, it doesn't matter what you create as an artist, but like, you got to make this. You got to keep people engaged. You got to keep the money flowing. Yeah, that seemed to be the more important thing that he was pushing there. Which mm-hmm. I don't think he agrees with at all. But like, yeah, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Not like he was saying that for himself, but like that's what he was saying mm-hmm. as the white man's agenda. Yeah, um, definitely really interesting um, uh, lyrics, but. The one th- last thing I want to touch upon was the flute at the end. I'm not. I'm actually not sure if it was a flute or some sort of keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just loved the way it ended the song. It was totally a new sound that I hadn't really heard before, and I just loved the flavor it had to add. Mm-hmm. It's a nice flavor, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice little, nice little flavor. Yeah. So for track four, I um. There's definitely a lot going on here vocally in the beginning, mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't decipher what they're saying, but I loved the whispering in between the vocal parts that came in and out. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, this was very much, I think, one of the 
one of the big things, like, lyrically, I think, was the point for this was, um... The Whispers added, like, an undertone. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a very... This was, like, a very chaotic, intense track, instrumentally, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the big, um... You know, he had those sort of whispers going around in the background, you know, as, like, as like a response to the, to the vocals, and it was kind of, like it just layered the sort of underlying tension and like the sort of the sort of tense mindset that you can go through each day, you know, you know, somebody like on welfare and they can't pay their dues. Like they, I know one of those lyrics is like bills past due or something like that. Welfare don't mean well for you. Things like that. Yeah. And then there was this one thing that I, he had one lyric in here that like, I, I heard it again in the album, and I really don't know what it means. It's head is the answer. Oh, yeah, I remember. I think he says that again yeah. on the last track. It comes up again a couple of times. Yeah. And, like, I don't know exactly what that means. The first thing that comes to my mind is, like, prostitution. Mm-hmm. Like, prostitution is the answer. I don't know. But that's something I want to look more into. Like, I want to find out what exactly that means. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, if that's like a like a slang thing or I don't know what that yeah. is. But I mean, just the repetition of it definitely has it holds an importance. Yeah, it's definitely got a significance to it mm-hmm. since that came up in more than one track. You know? Yeah. One thing that I really loved about this track um, was Thundercat's bass melody that exactly, would come in yeah. and through. Um, I loved that too. So cool. Instead of just, you know, holding a groove as most basses do i really love when um a bass line turns into a real melody where it has its real own voice to the song and thundercat mm-hmm. does that perfectly in the science very noty um very interesting yeah i wrote down uh i had like he had very smooth like piano the, the whole mix of like piano bass and guitar on this album mm-hmm. was very smooth on, on this yeah. track was very smooth and very very well done yeah the album definitely has its own sounds um, very, where everything's kind of mixed in with each other, which, um, maybe p- due to the fact that they're all demos, mm-hmm. um, but I thought that was really cool, you know, just the whole album, uh, from a technical standpoint has its own sound. And, um, this song too was very, just very short, definitely served as a transition song since it was so short and there's real no real form to it at all which i thought was cool you know i'm glad that kendrick didn't try um too hard to push it further and turn it into a whole song because i do feel that serves very well as a short little transition mm-hmm. cool so yeah track five i loved this was the percussion. this was definitely yeah. one of my favorite tracks on the album yeah awesome groove but What'd you think about it? The first, like, my first big notice here is I wrote killer bass and groove, like, all caps. Like, I was Definitely. digging, I dug it so <laughs> much. It was heavy, man. But it was very, like, it was a very sort of hypnotic kind of feel, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that kind of, and the piano, I remember thinking the piano was incredibly awesome in the background, too. It worked really well. Um, yeah. It was smooth, but it also had, like, hints of, like, it was about to go into a melody. Like, almost like you're about to sneeze and you don't really know. That's what the <laughs> piano was doing, like, if it was going to go into a melody or not. Like, yeah. I really dug it. Nice. And, like, the bass sort of, like, it gave this... I like the bass so much in this track because it moved the track forward. It gave the sense of motion to the, to the song, right? Mm-hmm. It got you prepared for, like, the lyrics that Kendrick was going to spit and J-Rock came in later. And it got you kind of... 
it got you kind of in the move in the mood like this is a moving moving thing yeah. but it also while doing that it gave this slight little bit of dissonance which i think fits again perfectly with the idea of like you know the free jazz and like dissonance is like mm-hmm. a sort of metaphor for like you know the chaos and power of like a civil rights piece mm-hmm. of art you know yeah and so it kind of moved that 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 that's that's really what i liked about the bass so much is that it moved the track forward and it sort of kept that sort of slight bit of tension to the thing, you know, mm-hmm. just a little bit of harmonic tension. Yeah. And the vocals, and the vocals, kind of gave him this idea of like this sort of chaotic yelling, almost like that. Mm-hmm. Like before Kendrick came in and started rapping, um, because when he came in, he came in, dude. Like. Oh yeah, I he, love, when he came I in, he just drop. cut. He cut right in. Yeah. And. You know, it was sort of like this sort of chaotic, and you know. And I think that again, like that sort of chaotic tension fits with the idea of you know free jazz and metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about like that first half of that, that first like instrumental half of it? Well, um, it, honestly, with the drums and everything, it reminded me. I forget what the name of the song is, but it reminded me a lot of that Frank Ocean song where they sample Jimi Hendrix. Do you know which song I'm talking about? Um, is it on Channel Orange? Yeah, it's not fertilizer no it's not fertilizer. no but um it i think it was mainly the drums yeah. that really reminded me of that i really loved the way they sampled um the crash symbol to give it that sound yeah, where it I came in and out i just love the crash symbol and all of the percussion sounds in this song yeah um it almost made me think of like a crash symbol being recorded like a reverse delay kind of yeah. thing yeah it was weird yeah i loved um to all the little keyboard and saxophone lips uh licks <laughs> it, it really added um a lot of flavor to the same it was really cool and the female vocals were almost neo soul like kind of reminded me of the internet or um hiatus coyote which um definitely elaborated on the whole funk theme throughout the album it was almost like a mix of Frank Ocean and Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy with J, uh, I believe it was J-Rock's um, Yeah, he was in the, the last end. verse. Yeah, yeah it kind of reminded me all of that, but I'm not not to say that it was a lot like either mm-hmm. of those songs, just like a slight mix, in my yeah. opinion. A big lyrical thing, because, like, I mean, again, Kendrick kind of came in pretty, like, I wrote it down as, like, violently. Like, he came in mm-hmm. and he, like, he punched right in there and oh, he yeah. cut right in there and he I was it was just a sort of like anger like if i had to give this track like an emotion i would give it anger based on like the lyrics and the sort of chaotic and moving forward and pushing constant musical tone to it kendrick cuts in and he's um one of the big lyrics i kind of got was like i ain't fucking with sobriety things like that um mm-hmm. I can't read my writing. Why you want to see a middle? Why do you want to see? Why you want to see a good man with a broken heart? Yeah, it almost sounded like like he was just sort of like this was the kind of like if this song like the best way I could like sort of metaphorize or analogize this song would be like you know if like you're just you're you're pissed about something you just had enough and you just go out and you just get pissed and then you just like start going around and you're just like drunk off your ass and you're just like you don't even care anymore you're just being recklessly angry that's mm-hmm. what this song was just like a reckless anger a reckless sort of wants and anger it's just like I don't, even, I don't even care anymore yeah. I'm just gonna go off mm-hmm. that's what I got and J-Rock when he came in if Frank it, Frank this is Kendrick's album Kendrick had a much more sort of 
angry, accusing sort of, you know, connotation was there. It's like, you know, why you don't see a good man with a broken heart. It's like, he's like, come on, man. Like, he's just angry. But when J-Rock comes in, he talks so much more about, you know, he seems almost like lost. So J-Rock's lyrics kind of add much more of like a reckless sort of, I'm like, I just don't know anymore. Like, I'm lost, you know? So, like one of my favorite I think this is actually probably one of my favorite lyrics that I've heard in a long time loopholes in my bruised soul like I just like that as like a, as like a poetic yeah. line come on that's just beautiful and I got this whole idea that he's just like you know he he's just sort of sleepwalking around and he's just sort of bruised and broken he's like I'm just I'm just lost and I'm trying to figure this shit out man you know mm-hmm. yeah that's what I got out of this yeah very cool so um on the next track untitled 6 the another really great yeah. percussion track i love the sounds of the percussion all the sizzle and the cymbals i'm not sure if they're riveted or um if it's in a no definitely not effect but i just love the sounds between the snare and the cymbals and other percussion going on like the clicks on i don't think it was a clave but might have been on rim click but yeah the uh, I also loved all of the background instruments. There is um really hints of flute going throughout the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I Almost, really dug the flute in this. Yeah, like that was perfect. Like yeah. the flute, the flute. What did I write? F- the flute and the piano was perfect in this. Like yeah. I just loved that. On top of CeeLo's vocals, mm-hmm. like the melody and like the, it was very catchy. Not like a melody that sticks in your head, yeah. but a very just beautiful melody in itself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, really, really beautiful. Um, definitely, probably my favorite CeeLo uh, Green yeah. so, um, performance I've ever heard. You know, I'm not yeah. a huge CeeLo Green fan, but I thought he fit well on here. Yeah. The um, But yeah, going off of that flute... It almost kind of reminded me of a Vince Giraldi song, or just Vince Giraldi in general, which I know is kind of a bit of a stretch, you know, Kendrick Lamar to the Vince Giraldi trio with yeah. Charlie Brown and whatnot, but it really kind of made me feel that, and I thought I just loved it and fit perfectly, you know, you, you'd you never think mm-hmm. that a Vince Giraldi, like, sounds could go on a Kendrick, a rap track in general, you know? Yeah, I kind of got, there was a very, like, musically, I felt like a huge sort of soul, neo-soul kind of influence onto this track, mm-hmm. especially with CeeLo Green on the vocals. Um, He, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've never really been a, a fan of CeeLo's, like, solo work, mm-hmm. but, like, I, you got to admit, the guy's got a voice. The guy's got a yeah. really good voice for this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He, uh... What the heck did I write? I don't know. But lyrically, I mean, again, as I'm talking a lot about the lyrics here, but, like, this track was, I feel, like, a lot of Kendrick talking about his individuality. This was probably one of the most optimistic tracks lyrically. Mm-hmm. Like, what he was talking about wasn't, like, very depressing or sad. Like, this was talking about how you know, he knows, like, you know, he grew up, like, one of the lyrics is, like, something like, my mom raised me to know that I was special, or something like that, again, like, some of these lyrics, I'm not gonna remember word for word, but, it talked to, it, the, the big sense I got was that he was expressing that, like, each person has, like, their own individuality, and their own sort of artistic and way of expression, and beautiful self, and, you know, 
he knows that that's what he is and he's not going to let he's no he knows that he's got that too and i mean we know that too because he makes mm-hmm. these beautiful albums yeah but <laughs> but yeah so like it's him saying like i know i'm good at, i know that i'm good at things i know i can make beautiful art and you can make beautiful art too you know mm-hmm. um he talks about like you know you want to you don't want to do what everybody else is doing he's like i recommend the lunatic ways i possess qualities i think nah, yeah i miswrote that lyric i think it's like that whole idea of like you stick out you stick out among the rest of everybody else everybody sticks out in their own way you know artistic individuality was like the biggest thing and th- another thing i noticed about this was this was probably one of the least chaotic tracks on the entire album like this one was the one that kind of had the most sort of like structure to it almost like it sounded like yeah like there was a lot of groove structure to it. the groove was like a more solid groove there wasn't so many free jazz influences on this track yeah what did you think about that um yeah i have to agree i don't have a whole lot more to add um other than the fact that kendrick's really i really love how he pushes the boundaries of styles throughout this whole album you know there's no one definitive style or genre to this album i love what when artists in general always do that um it's a cacophony yeah he really goes through basically all styles within jazz music and hip-hop music uh really looking through neo soul free jazz um not so much on this record but on the last record definitely swing mm-hmm. um you mean on good kid mad city or to pimp a butterfly uh, to pimp a butterfly okay. and yeah, uh f- tons of funkadelic f- sounds mm-hmm. very funk and um I'd love all to hear this blends freeze. perfectly with the whole hip-hop theme you know all of this uh primarily black uh genres really work well together the way kendrick combines them all and mushes them all together in a really beautiful unique way wouldn't you love to hear kendrick do some things where he just like freestyles over some funkadelic beats like he just takes some <laughs> original like old like just take some old, like, sort of 70s grooves and just sort of yeah. freestyles. I'd like to hear him do some of that. Did you hear him on the remix that he did of... Oh, I can't remember what the song is called, but... Was it one of those old 70s funk tunes? It, no, it's a... Uh, well, yes, it's a, just a funkadelic song that they re-released as a remix with Kendrick doing a verse on it. It's I'd like really to hear awesome. that. Yeah, I'll yeah. show you after. Um, Cool. So, yeah... Un- let's talk a bit about Untitled 7. This was the longest track yeah, on the album. Yeah, a lot on this track. And it's really broken up into those three main sections, you know? It's yep. almost like three different songs into one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he recorded each section at a different time since it goes from 2014 to 2016. Yeah, he worked or- on this the longest, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. Um, or even if... um, He might not have worked on it the longest, so to say he might have just did in 2014 decided it needed um uh, extra bit of um this year and mm-hmm. added to it so what you think of um yeah what you like think of lyrically it? the structure and things like that mm-hmm. well yeah no this was definitely this was this was i i saw it as like three different parts and like the way i saw it was like he kind of like started one place and descended or Descended might not be the right word, but returned might be a better word. I didn't think of that, but the, yeah, it definitely does. What I here's what I heard. I heard at the beginning he starts about he starts talking about um like the first the first half of the song or the first third of the song was I think him talking about success and being successful and how 
sort of gilded and, you know, ludicrously, I don't know what the word is, but like there's almost like, it's like, you know, you have all the gold and all the money in the world and you don't know what to do with it. And he's talking about like, you know, you know, this stuff won't make you high. This stuff won't make you high. Um, drugs won't make you high. Fame won't make you high. And he even actually, I also noticed he kind of keeps like a one of those stereotypical kind of trap beats going on throughout the first half of this song. Yeah. Like that boom, let you hear in like every, you know, freestyle rap or any, you know, hit rap song now. And this, I got this whole idea of like success won't fulfill you through this first song. Like, you know, money doesn't fulfill you. Fame doesn't fulfill you. Drugs don't fulfill you. Things like that. It was that whole idea of like, and he, there was even like a violent sort of outburst here. And he was, it was like this whole idea of like, shut your mouth and get some cash, mm-hmm. you know, make money. That's the point. Make mm-hmm. money. The more yeah. money you make, the more success you're going to get. But again, success doesn't get you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the next half was, Ooh, you know, he, just say one thing of course. Uh, going on the first section of the song mm-hmm. too. I, the one reason... I thought this was kind of weak. I didn't really love this uh, section. Was because of the instrumentation. I thought that the it was kind of very generic, bland sound. Especially the the drums and the percussion. They're all the thing were very, very generic. Um, not what I expect from Kendrick at all. The only thing that I thought was really cool about it was the um, in the beginning and actually throughout the whole section there are these crazy whirling synths going on and it really sounds like confusion like if i had to put give confu- the word confusion a sound it would, would definitely be, it, be yeah. those synthesizers but on the thing on what you said about the whole generic sort of like i mean that might not be the most like aesthetically pleasing if you're looking for like a kendrick lamar free kind of sound but i think that serves like a point like a sort of like um what's the word I want to use the word literary point because I'm like I'm I'm again I'm looking at this album as kind of like a literary work. Yeah. But like I think the point of using that sort of generic beat and that generic sort of sound is to show like how music can get institutionalized by corporations and things like that and how you know your own artistic expression, you know, if you get high enough on if you get high enough up on the food chain starts to not matter as much and it starts to become more and more about making music that people can dance to and making music that'll make money you know what i mean yeah and that's what i saw that as but you know that changes though when he moves into the second third of the song Mm -hmm. he again like kendrick busts in again he like he i i just really enjoy whenever he cuts in and starts rapping like that but yeah the beats get much more complex like it gets like well not the beats but like the musicality gets much more complex in the first half and what does he have it he, he even has that little kid come in and say compton is where i'm from i love that and, uh, transition to the next track that mm-hmm. was really cool well loved yeah. it but i think like i think the point of this was saying like was to go from the generic you know institutionalized rap music and then this if that was what the first third was the second third excuse me is his is his own artistic expression compton is where i'm from he's going back to his roots and he's rapping from what he knows and what he means to say he's not mm-hmm. just you know making music that people can dance to anymore yeah he talks and, it, and he talks more in depth about like the pains and pleasures of success and um 
you know, he falls into a, into a sort of like a sad, not like a sad, but yeah, like sort of like a sad, dejected kind of like tone with his, with what he says. And he's just like, you know, um, again, with this whole idea that success doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to say about on the, on that second third of the song or the second, the, yeah, the second section I really liked more than the first section. Uh, one sound that I thought was really, really cool were, I'm not sure what instrument it was, or even if it was a stringed instrument, but sounded kind of like a really fastly strummed guitar. Yeah. And it was almost kinda like, like a flamenco kind of vibe, yeah. Yeah. It was almost sounded like it was supposed to replicate, or it may even be a Middle Eastern instrument. I thought that had a really cool flavor and sound to this song. Really um, something that I haven't heard on other Kendrick Lamar songs that I can remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head. But yeah. I thought it was a really uh, interesting sound that a lot. Yeah. I think probably my favorite thing, like if, if we're going to close up this second section, move on to the last one. Let's close thing on this. is like, I really, I really liked the idea of having a child record the vocals for Compton is where I'm from. Yeah. Because it's like, he really is like, he's thinking about like his childhood yeah. and what it really means to express something artistically, you know? Yeah. I remember watching like, um, I remember I watched like a, do- it wasn't like a documentary on Kendrick, but, Actually, it might have been. It was something Vice did, I think. And, you know, this guy was, he went to Compton and he met Kendrick and he met all of, like, Kendrick's friends from growing up and they were talking about, um, you know, like, Ken, just Kendrick's upbringing. Mm-hmm. And he talked um, a lot about it. He started, like, doing, he started he started writing, like, poetry in, like, I think middle school. Like, maybe, I might be getting this wrong, but it was, like, I think it started, like, sixth, seventh grade. He, yeah. he really started writing poetry. Maybe a little bit earlier. Maybe yeah. even, like, elementary school, but... <clears throat> Remember they even talked to one of his old teachers, and she was talking about, yeah, no, he is all he's always that's always been Kendrick's kind of thing, and it, I just really like that idea of like I was just picturing Kendrick as a little boy, you know, writing poems in his room or somewhere in the middle of Compton, <laughs> in the middle of Compton, writing poems on like you yeah. know an old notebook or something. I just really dug that. Yeah. So the the last section is something that I think is again from a literal standpoint, I think this is like the one of the perfect like bow tie not like just drawing us everything up into a bow for the track perfectly mm-hmm. as a literal work and because it's there's no there's no the only instrument going on is like i, I don't know if it was a bass or a guitar i couldn't really tell mm-hmm. it might have been it, it might have been a bass it was probably yeah a bass, it sounded but. like a bass um while it was playing just single notes but then it would strum the chords yeah. like a guitar so yeah you can play bass of course but it just sounded a little bit too trebly and mid-range yeah, to be a bass you know I agree but <clears throat> that might have been just a mixing thing, but I just got this image. Like I close my eyes and I get this image in my head of that last section of the track of like guys just you know sitting in the living room, just a bunch of friends hanging out. One yeah. guy's playing like some instrument. And they're just yeah, like, yeah, man, come on, guys hanging out. Yeah, just a bunch of guys hanging out, laughing, and this is perfect because it's this almost sort of dreamlike reference to what creativity really is and what and what happiness really is. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's even, like, laughter going on in this track. They're laughing, joking with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, this is, this is, like, the most basic. Well, not basic, but, like, yeah. It's almost like he started out this track talking about he's got all this money and all this, you know, generic trap beats and all this, you know, record label success, and it's not getting him happy. Drugs mm-hmm. won't get you high. Fame won't get you high. None of that. And he's, you know, 
through the first and second thirds, he's also muttering, like, he also kind of repeats this idea of, like, levitate, 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 levitate. And that gets me into the whole idea of, like, he's trying to transcend all of that. He's trying to get higher. Yeah. He's trying to find that sort of nirvana, that creative, successful nirvana. Mm -hmm. And he moves backward. He starts off there, and he moves backward into the, the next track. He's like, okay, this is me rapping. Well, the next half of the track, and he goes, like, yeah, this is me rapping and me creating for myself. Mm -hmm. Compton is where I'm from. And then in the last bit, we actually get to go back and see Compton. We get to see him sitting in his living room with his friends recording something on, like, an old tape. Because yeah. it even had that sort of static sound to yeah. it, you know? Like, and he recorded it on an old tape or whatever. One of my favorite parts, too, was how vocally, while he sang, he would go in and out of time, you know? Yeah. The guitar definitely kept the... The beat, the, yeah, the rhythm. The beat, the rhythm. But then... um. Just him coming in and out of time really made it sound like, oh, he doesn't really care how much he sounds. He's definitely not on yeah. stage. He's just with a small group of people trying to have fun and share that enjoyment. You know, a lot of times musicians mm -hmm. can get too caught up in making sound everything sound really perfect, mm -hmm. but making it sound not perfect on purpose really yeah. adds that level it's of... um. It's casual music. It's like the epitome of casual music. And it's just, you know, ca it's fun. That's what it's supposed yeah. to be. You know, you're just sitting around, hanging out, doing whatever, man, you know. Yeah. But then the other thing in this track, he also, Head is the Answer came up in this track. And I swear, that's driving me bananas. I wish I knew what that meant. Jesus. Yeah. Man, I'm going to look that up later. It's killing me. So, um, unless you have, do you have anything to say about the third section? Um, no, I think that's it. But like, yeah. I just this I think track seven is definitely like if I had to rate my favorite tracks off this album so far like it seven is probably my favorite followed by like six and then five mm -hmm. <laughs> seven yeah it just goes seven six five those are probably my favorite tracks on this so far yeah work. the um one point that I want to bring up is there's these three almost like they're separate songs three different sections on one song what is the connection between them? I myself had trouble finding the connection, but I really liked that they're all on the same song anyways. Do you mean like sonically? I don't like the, know like, what you mean like by the that. sound like do you mean like you didn't you couldn't find like the sound connection like how um, they no, flowed no, into each like, other like lyrically uh more lyrically more theme wise in general, but you can go with well, sounds as well, just any sort of connection well. I just sort of, again, like, I thought it was, like, all about this idea of success and happiness and how they might correlate. Like, he starts off the song and, you know, he raps about success, but then he raps about how he's, you know, drugs won't get you high, fame won't get you high, fame won't get you high, success doesn't buy happiness. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half of it, he starts, you know, it's almost like he's saying, you know what, cut the shit, this is the real, this is what artistic expression is and this is what makes me happy you mm -hmm. know Compton is where I'm from he starts rapping about his roots and starts going to back to what because again it's like the first part of the song isn't Kendrick Lamar even at all like that could be any rapper rapping about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but then the second part he's like no fuck it I'm just gonna write I'm just gonna rap what I want to do because yeah. I'm you know it's him asserting his own identity mm -hmm. and then the last part of the track is where his identity grows from his happiness and his culture and like you know where the creativity came from and where you know the happiness came from it's just hanging out and doing things for the fun of it rather than for a paycheck yeah you know what i mean yeah very cool so um let's talk about the last track of this album mm -hmm. untitled date so 
I felt this totally felt like a Thundercats song to me. He definitely had a huge influence on this song. Have you ever listened to a Thunder uh, Thundercats solo stuff? Um, I haven't. I've heard him. I've heard him on some Flying Lotus stuff, but I haven't like yeah. gone and like explicitly listened to his Thundercat. solo stuff. Is definitely different. It's very very funky, very groove oriented, and this honestly, I'd go as far as to say that. If this song was on a Thundercat record, I wouldn't think much about it. It'd totally fit well, you know. Um, definitely had a huge influence. I really love that about this song. His K- Kendrick really let his voice come through. You know, he's not restricting his own voice. He's letting all of the musicians on the album come through and share what they have to say. Yeah, this is the big finish. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, this was honestly like I had the like this was I had the toughest time sort of reading into this track. Like this was mainly because like some of the lyrics just went too fat went by too fast for me to pick up. But like, um. One of the one of the things that I kind of got a hint of was like I that he was talking about a lot about like white privilege I think yeah um there was some line about like you know a girl refusing college tuition like a free college tuition things like that um there was one line about that and that kind of made me think about um oh jeez what's that word affirmative action it kind of made me think about affirmative action like she might not be like you know imagining like maybe she's refusing this free college tuition because it was done just because she might have been black or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then another lyric that I really kind of, I kind of, you know, two, well, two really good lyrics that I got out of this song were, um, I'm living to keep, I'm living, I'm living to keep warm. You're living to pay rent. Mm-hmm. And I think reading into that, you can get a lot out of that. Yeah. Like he's living like, you know, you know, the poor man lives so that he can stay alive. The rich man lives so that he can, you know, have a nice place to live. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then another another good one was, I can't make my money with shackled feet. Or I can't, oh, sorry, I can't make my moves with shackled feet, rather. Yeah, I can't make my moves with, sha- with shackled feet. So, like, excuse me again. He can't. And that's what kind of made me think about white privilege more and more. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you can't really get a head start. You can't, well, you can't. You can't do the best to your ability and you can't really have free movement in the world if everybody else has a head start and you've mm-hmm. got, you know, a shackled feet metaphorically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Very cool. So, um, one final thing that I wanted to say about the album as a whole is the whole pimp pimp hooray that he repeats yeah. throughout the whole thing. That reminded me so much of like a simplified version of the spoken word poem that Kendrick repeated throughout to pimp a butterfly. I totally felt it was the equivalent of that. And on that note, since it's a simpler line, is that so to say that this is a simpler album? He, I mean, he even goes to ends with it as he does on, as he ends with that poem of Tupac at the ends of, or conversation rather at the end of, to pimp a butterfly you know it's a huge theme throughout this there definitely has to be some sort of um connection what what do you think on that is this does it make for a simpler album does it make for um anything really different you know it's definitely a similar characteristic well the pimp pimp hooray 
I kind of thought like that's literally what it meant because I mean obviously like a, it's like a play on hip hip hooray. Yeah. And like how I heard that was just like it definitely was like an exclamation of pride. Mm-hmm. Like an exp- an exclamation of like individuality of like, you know, he's proud of his heritage. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that's saying, really. And that's all I re- that's all I really got from it. I didn't really think about it yeah. in terms of Tipin Butterfly. Yeah. Because I didn't really I didn't really pick up on that, but like I really that's really all it really I could really get out of it or what it really, you know, said to me was that it was just, you know, an exclamation of pride, of individuality and like, mm-hmm. you know you know, pride in one's heritage. Yeah. Pride in one in who one is and pride in like what one creates, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I mean on the other hand he could be not there might not be any uh metaphorical yeah there doesn't have to be a metaphor. He could just he could have just felt like saying pim pim parade <laughs> yeah, and no, then record it a few times <laughs> he could have been like sitting in his house and he'd be going hip hip ooh pim pim hooray <laughs> pim pim hooray you know yeah like that's the great bit about this kind of stuff because it can mean something but it also can't like, yeah it might i could be nothing. completely wrong about all the things that i've said <laughs> about like i i could have been completely wrong but it's all about like interpretation man you know yeah. But I, like, I definitely I dig that about this kind of stuff. You yeah, know? I definitely th- think that there's just that similarity to Timpa, to Pimpa Butterfly, that theme of the repetition mm-hmm. of his voice. I thought was really, um, really cool. In you general, know, no matter what it means. What about what about the album cover? Like that sort oh, of greenness. Yeah. That's I know this. I there, there isn't. There too. isn't like a whole. There isn't like a whole lot of. You know, it's not like an outstanding album cover. It's just yeah. like this sort of green thing. I'm trying to get a picture of it. Yeah, it's really just really all quick. about the color. But um, I thought that it fits the album perfectly, really fits that sound. You know, and the whole demo sound is this muddled um, mix of sounds, which, again, that sounds like a bad thing, but it's really not in the context of this album. And I think I can say about the same thing about this album cover. That album cover is not something I'd go to an art gallery and be yeah. like, oh, that's beautiful. You know, it's just a, it's, it's just green. It, but it perfectly resembles the sound, the, the whole brown hints in the green kind of really represent that muddled together sound, in my opinion. And um, yeah, really. It's sort of just like a cool. green, and green's also like the idea of like life, but it's like a very dark green. Yeah. You know? I kn- we're just gonna read into this. Like this probably <laughs> just doesn't mean anything. Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick was probably like, you know what? I like green. We're gonna make this green. Like that's probably what he meant. But like, Who I'm knows? just gonna read. I'm gonna read into this just because I'm I'm, I'm feeling yeah. like I want to read into this a little bit. Um, just because what's the point of art if you if you can't read into anything? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean. Never yeah. mind. What is art? Who knows what art is? Who cares? But like, you know what you're you know, saying. But like, have you seen Daredevil, the Netflix series Daredevil? I have not. Well, one of the in the first season, there's a bad guy, like the, the one of the bad guys in the first season is uh, Wilson Fisk, and he's like this, you know, really deep, you know, enigmatic character, and you know, it goes into his backstory, and you know, there's this, you know, he had like an abusive father, father things like that, and in his backstory, you see him like staring at this wall, 
Like, that was the wall that he would stare at when his dad was doing bad things, like getting drunk or hitting his wife or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's sort of, like, what imprinted upon him as a child, like, that sort of muddled wall. And it was, like, a really, it was, like, a sort of chipped white painted wall, right? Yeah. And later on in the show, you see this character, Wilson Fisk, buy a painting of just, like, this big white, it's just all white. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's got like this this sort of like texture to it that reminds him of the wall. And so that's what he stares at to sort of like calm himself down when he's getting angry and things like that. Yeah. And like that kind of makes me think like, does this have a similar significance to Kendrick? It probably doesn't. I don't know. You don't have to ask him. But like yeah. that kind of that's what that's that's what this makes me think of. Like if he was going to have any sort of significance to choosing an album cover, is this possibly like a, like a route he could not like he had an abusive father and like. Was that that the dad in Daredevil was nuts, but like, does he have like a similar relationship to this sort of texture or color? Yeah, and uh, one thing too that occurred to me was comparing this album cover to the to Pimp a Butterfly album cover. It's obviously far more simple. There's lots less going on, and I think that's true for the albums as well. And that might be symbolic both in the album cover and the Pimp Pimp Parade that we discussed earlier, you know? Mm-hmm. All kind of ties in together with that theme. But again, I might be totally missing that theme. And again, not to say that this album was a simple album. No. Just comparing it. It's just comparing it to, to Pimp a Butterfly because this album is really interesting, really intricate parts to it. Not to say that simple at all. Just comparing it to the masterpiece that To Pimp a Butterfly is. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Cool. So, thanks for uh, joining me, Owen. It was a pleasure. I'd love to come awesome. back and do this again. Awesome, I'd love yeah. to do this with like an all instrumental album at some point. If Definitely it should be sweet. Yeah. Do some uh, like bad, bad, not good or something. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. Cool. So, subscribe to us on iTunes, yeah, on SoundCloud, and thanks for joining us. We're the only-